Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. Three games ago, um, our start was bad. You know, coming home, we we thought it was terrible. Last game wasn't as bad, but we didn't start correctly. We thought we started correctly here tonight. We got set back a bit by the penalties, um, which gave, we think, them some momentum. But um, I I think we've talked about it all year, but our our group uh, just stays the course. They're, They're very positive. Dean Everson talking about the Wilds' 2-1 loss to the Los Angeles Kings, second consecutive defeat at home. The Wilds got off to a 4-1 start, and now they are 4-3. And, and welcome into the full edition of Judd's Hockey Show, Zolgad and Declan Goff, as always. Um, all right, I'm going to start by saying this. All right. In relation to the guy that we just saw, what the hell is he doing with his forward lines? And why, the more I think about this, the more PO'd I get. Why on earth is I'm going to go with Yule, Yule, Joel, whatever you want to call. I'll call him Joel. I don't give it. I don't give a damn. All right. How is 97 or 22? If you're not familiar with the roster, that is Kirill Kaprizov and Kevin Fiala. One of those two. How are they not playing with the best center on a team that lacks centers? And why are we being forced to watch Nick Bukestead? Nick Benino and Victor Rask. Okay, why are we being forced? And furthermore, why are talented players being forced to try and play with those two? In the case of Bukestead and Benino, Declan, they are third line guys. I'm not ripping them. That, like they're like God made they them. God made them third line guys, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. Victor Rask, I'm not so sure about. Okay, so I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to include him nice in my in the two guys that I actually do sort of like. Very nice of you. But Erickson Eck is easily your best center right now. Like, it's not close. He's got four goals. He's got six points. He has worked his ass off to get to the point of being good. And even last night, Dino was talking about, well, we talk about making moves, but the Foligno-Greenway-Eck line is so good. That Dean, this is a luxury you don't have. Like, I am actually, I'm not only perplexed, I'm sort of just mad about it. Mm-hmm. This is a luxury you don't have. You don't have the ability to be like, that third line sure works hard. So Erickson Eck, who is easily your best center, is not being put with one of your two top players. And furthermore, and this is way premature, but this is Timberwolves-like as far as, like, is Kirill Kaprizov's welcome to the National Hockey League basically saying, we're going to make you work as hard as possible. We're not going to give you a center who's good. And, oh, but by the way, there's big market teams out there that eventually you're going to really want to play for. You're going to want to play for the Kings or the Rangers or because we're not going to maximize your abilities. Like, honest to God, I realize it's early, but how long have we waited for this kid to be here? 
And when he gets to shine, Dex, yep. he shines. Like, he is a superstar potential. He is a superstar potential. And Fiala, I don't know. He's not as good, in my opinion, as Kaprizov, but he's damn good. We've right. seen it. And last night, we sat in that press box, and we watched that guy work his ass off. Fiala worked hard last oh night. Oh, my God. I thought he worked incredibly hard. And, yes, some of it is right now he's flat-out snake-bitten on goal scoring, and I get that, too. But how on earth, if you're the coach of this team, and you scored one goal last night, did you not look at that and say, okay, we got 17 here. Marcus Foligno, who works his butt off, but he's going to be fine no matter where you put him. Like, he's going to go work his butt off with whomever you put him with, um, and he will do his thing. He does not have great hands, but he does have the ability to make a difference at times. But it doesn't matter where I put him. It matters where I put my two-star players. I'm starting this show by saying, Dean, how can I say this nicely? Mm -hmm. Dean, understand you've got two hot commodities here. And you are underutilizing, or hockey terms, abusing both of them (laughs) by not making a move that Stella the dog would make. Stella the dog would be better. She would put... Eck with one of those two. Yep. I trust her. I trust your judgment. I've watched this team now every game. And at first I was like, okay, I guess I sort of get this. But this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's bad. This is like this is like Dean thinks that he has at least one viable center. And so he likes his third line a lot. So he's like, I can't touch that line. Dude, you do not have above Eck on that depth chart. You do not have one viable center to be a one or a two. No. End of rant. Floor is yours. Yeah. This is uh this is what they get for not finding a true number one center. Uh not even number one. A top six for GD's sakes. And look, when when they traded Eric Saul for Johansson straight up, I think there might have been a supplemental draft pick somewhere mixed in there as well. We all thought, okay, Johansson used to play center in Washington. He he played the wing too. But I guess he will just flat up replace Eric Stahl in the lineup. Well, they went into the training camp. They did their homework and realized, yeah, you know, I, I think it might be better if he just plays the wing. He's probably not going to be a good number one center. And they haven't tried him at center, and he's been a GD disaster. He has been by far the most disappointing player on a, the wild this season. It is not close. It's not Victor Rask, folks. Yeah, it is right. Ryan Johansson. He has entered Victor Marcus. Rask. Territory. Marcus Johansson. He's not the Nashville Predator who uh, is also a disappointment. Would, yeah. He's the a couple years ago, wild like player him. who's a disappointment. But Marcus Johansson's a disaster, dude. And now they have to put guys like Victor Rask in the middle of Kevin Fiala and Kaprizov because they don't trust anyone else. There's no one. There's no other viable option here. So that's why, look, Pierre-Luc Dubois, yeah, probably a pipe dream. It was going to be hard to pull that off. Line A, same story. But at this point, I am looking for a competent reliable, halfway decent center for the wild. I'm not asking you to mortgage the farm. Not asking Billy Guerin to give up Matt Dumba in a first-round pick to go get the true number one. I wouldn't mind if he did it. I just need someone who has been able to have been there and done that. And I will say, yes, I miss Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl right now would be a better fit for the wild right now. They miss him dearly. And this was a bad trade. This was a horrible trade by Bill Guerin. Clearing Stahl out of the locker room, I will still say was the right move. But here's the thing is, you've got to, this looks worse because you're not making the most of the opportunity that you have. Everson's inability to pull the trigger on putting Eck with Kaprizov or Fiala. Personally, I'd go Kaprizov. But anyway, sure. 
Everson's inability to make what is a very simple adjustment is making this look worse. It's making it look 10 times worse. Because, honest to God, you are trying Victor Rask there. You are trying Bukestead there, who works hard, but he might be a wing. And Benino is your definition of a really solid face-off third-line guy. Yep. Like, he, that's who he is. He is literally turned into a loggy in baseball terms. He is a left-handed specialist yeah. for certain situations. And Yes. And then, so here's the one last night that I damn near got up on the press box table and jumped out. Dang. Okay. In the third period, you do the right thing, which is you shorten the bench with, I think, about 830 left in that game. You shorten your bench. That's yep. the right move. I get it. I like that move. You then do what you suggested a while back, which was, are you going to play Fiala and Kaprizov together? You do that. Okay, cool. Yeah, like Good that. idea. Good plan. 49 is the center. Victor Rask is the center. Like, he literally can't keep up with them. This isn't even a rip on, like, him trying or not trying. This is a... Small practice. He can't skate with them. Yeah. Like, it's not even viable for him to be in the same play that they are. And again, you got 14, yep. who's had a great game, who's had a great start, who has the attributes that at least give him the chance to be... Like, why would you put a paperweight in the middle of your two best players? Yeah, I don't know. Like, at, what are you doing? At this point, there's there's no excuse to not put Fiala and Kaprizov, one of the two, if not both, between Ek, especially, especially late in that game. There, like, if, you, if you don't want to roll the whole game with it because you love your line, and I, I guess we can have a debate on that, but when you're down a goal to a terrible team like the Los Angeles Kings, you need your best players on the ice. You shorten your bench. It looks like you're, you're doing the right things, but then you put Victor Rask in the middle of your two most important playmakers. At that point, I know Jordan Greenway is playing well, and Marcus Foligno is playing his ass off like he always does. Yeah. I don't care. You have to put Eck between Fial and Kaprizov when the game is on the line. It's, it's like it's the same thing when you're on the power play. There's no excuse to not have Fiala and Kaprizov on the same power play unit. They're the most dynamic players. We'll put yourself in the best position to succeed. We'll get to that one. Um, but putting Victor Rask between those two guys in the third period last night was akin to going to the store and buying a massive bag of flour. You know, those heavy bags of flour? And you send out your two really most skilled players, and then you basically throw that bag of flour intact on the ice and say, center them. Like, it's that bad. It's that bad. It's that Like, if you can go Benino, Bukestead, Rask, the last guy on earth who should be between those two highly skilled players is Victor Rask. Like, this isn't difficult. And by the way, so the line to me is this. And again, what's frustrating is it's so simple. Like, this is, we're not going through, we're not doing calculus here. Your number one line starting Thursday against the Kings in the rematch of Tuesday's game, Dex, should be Eck at center, okay? Um, Kaprizov, who is a left shot but can play the right side on the right wing, where I think he's comfortable. I think he's fine there, okay? And then Jordan Greenway on left wing. Because the other thing is, it's rewarding a kid in Greenway, who as far as I can tell, was essentially told, put up or shut up by Bill Guerin after the qualifying round defeat to the Canucks, right? And you know what? He's been looked, he's looked pretty good so 100%. far. 100%. He lost some weight. Yeah, he looks He's good. come in. He's worked his butt off, I think. I agree. Like, he's done everything that you could possibly ask. And what is he? 
Declan, he's the prototypical, when he's playing great, I can get you the puck guy, right? Yeah. Or I can get it to Eck. Like, how do you watch? This is just so maddening. How do you watch the goal that they scored when Kaprizov extended his shift against the Ducks, mm-hmm. which would have been the second game, so game four? They're playing the Ducks in Anaheim, and Kaprizov extends the shift. And Kaprizov, who's a, who I think is a smart player, like I think he's really smart, he cycles the puck really well to Greenway in the corner, who then puts it out front to Eck, who scores. Mm-hmm. How do you watch? So so Kaprizov, and that, that, this is fine, extended his shift. But then you see that, right? And, like, it works perfectly. It's really smart and pretty tough and really skilled player. Gets the puck to guy who is has some skill but probably is a grinder. And then grinder finds Erickson Eck, who bang, scores. How do you see that and not say, okay, okay, Billy Guerin, we got to talk here. We got to do this. Like, this is our line. I, what, what, are you, what are you watching? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, think, I think Dean going back to Victor Rask is trying to basically get to the same success they had at the beginning of the season, I guess, because they don't have anyone else. So he thinks that it's Victor Rask, when in reality it has to be Joel Erickson Eck. It has to be Eck in that, in that situation. And Kaprizov... And I knew this was going to happen. When they when they tweaked the lines yesterday, and you put him with Benino and Johansson, you're like, oh, okay. I guess it's because Kaprizov can facilitate and is so damn good and is creates a lot of attention and creates plays that should open up for things maybe for Johansson, who has outside of a game winning goal in overtime has again been a disaster. I I, I kind of got the thinking, but I thought, all right, I want to see if this works. And guess what? It did not work. He was benched, or not benched, because they took a a penalty early in the first period. Kaprizov has one shift through the first six and a half minutes. He's then being forced to try to make plays, makes a horrible turnover two later in the game at the blue line that you and I saw. When he comes in on a breakaway and decides to to do a drop pass, which I can't stand, he's now trying to force an issue. He doesn't have, he finishes with no shots on goal, and then he's pressing. So now you're forcing your best player, Kirill Kaprizov, who already is, I'm sorry, he's the best player in the wild right now. The best player in the wild right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, but he's I the most it. talented, and I don't think anyone's going to argue that. Yep. But when then he starts to press a little bit, yep. it makes for a bad situation. So at oh, this, a hundred percent. Well, he's trying to do everything, but both ninety-seven and twenty-two, I think, are trying to do, and I don't blame them. Everything by themselves. Yeah. And Kaprizov. So the thing that concerned me last night was the third period potential breakaway that he got. And it wasn't going to be a clean breakaway, but it was going to be an opportunity. We're talking about the same play. Yeah. yeah, and he circles back, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, what are you thinking at this point? And I think what he's thinking is, what the hell? Yeah. Like, he looks around. I think he looks around, and he's probably right, and he just sees the the lack of talent with him. Mm-hmm. And that's why at least Greenway, Eck, and Kaprizov make some sense. And we're not even, and I'm not, you know, for, for the last part of this uh, discussion, I haven't even mentioned Fiala, who I feel bad for, because I think he's in the same boat. And look, he's going to be streaky at times, and goal scorers are, so that's not a surprise. But one of these two deserves an opportunity, and if I'm them, I'm looking around and I'm saying, this is what you're going to give me? For sure. I, I think Kevin Fiala is is visibly frustrated. Visibly frustrated. Last season when you saw Matt Dumba not scoring the goals... You could tell it was getting way at him, but I, I never saw that on the ice with him. I never really saw him, I think, behind the locker room, and when we talked to him behind the scenes after the game, yes, the frustration was there. 
with Fiala, it's on his sleeve on and off the ice. That's him, though. And it's him, yep, and I him. like that, by the way. Yep. I don't criticize him for that. But he gets mad. I feel that. I love that from a player. But when he is demanding the puck, he's facilitating traffic on the power play, he's overextending shifts, and then the game ends, and he's trying to break the twig over his knee unsuccessfully, Kevin. Come on, if you're going to do it, let, let, let's, let's see you do it, man. Um, Go smash it on the goalpost. I understand his frustration. Like and yep. at this point, if I'm Bill Guerin, I, I have to pick up a phone call and, and do something here at center. And, and but just tell but that's sort of my point is I'm saying just for the starting point make sure that the guy who's playing best for you at center is centering somebody who's really good too yeah and you're not even I agree but I mean we're not even we're talking about trying to force feed guys who don't belong to potential star players if not star players right and that's and and again look Eck can get his opportunity and he should get his opportunity but at the end of the day you're you're still short three other centers. <laughs> You like you you need just a replaceable well, see, decent just, center. Okay, I think that you're short. I think you're short. If you played okay, so worst case, I think Eck is a second line guy. Like okay. worst case, I think I he think, has proven uh, oh, himself. Best, be, be, best or best case. case, best case. Sorry, best case, he's a second line guy. Um, he could be a first. I don't think he probably is, but I do think that with the improvements that he has made in the past two years, it's very fair to assume that he could that he could be your second line guy. Yep. Benino is fine as your third. Benino should be playing the role that Eck is playing because Dean loves what they're doing, right? Yep. Like Benino should be the center on a wing with Felino. Like that's the line. Shut shut people down. Win faceoffs. That's the line. You know, you're not Marcus Felino ain't gonna produce big offensive numbers, but what he can do is play really hard, and he can score. He does not. Have, he does not have good, good hands, in my opinion, but he can score some goals. Um, and then your fourth line can be Bukestad. I don't even care. But you're not even giving yourself a chance. Like you are, you are shorthanding yourself by not flipping at least two and three. And this is not difficult. It's easy, and it's maddening to watch. And if it's maddening for us to watch, imagine how Kaprizov and Fiala feel. I know. Like they're saying the same thing. There's no way that they watch games and say, "Yeah, you know, if we played with Eck, it wouldn't work." Right. They're both saying, give me a chance. I think Kaprizov being so green and new to the NHL and just new to a completely different situation moving from Russia is probably a little more reluctant to have the feelings that he feels shortchanged right now. Not sure. to say he, that won't materialize and, and could fester. Man, the but, Rangers but with, pretty with, good, don't they? with Fiala, yep. he is absolutely at his wit's end. And yeah. I don't blame the kid. I do not blame the kid at all. Yeah. Well, he probably does not feel that he has the support system to go into a hot streak. No, no not at all. And that's the problem, right? Like, he doesn't feel like he has that. All right, that's the first topic, and that one's driving me crazy. Here's the second topic, and my guess is it is um, this is driving fans crazier than the line combinations. It's the power play. It's bad. It's the power play. Well, it is, it is just to summarize for you, mm-hmm. um, through last night, it is... Two for 30, okay? And I'd like to start with this question to you, and I don't know if you are going to agree with my with my answer to the question. Okay. In game one against the Kings in Los Angeles, the Wild was 0 for 6 on the power play, all right? But I think we both talked about this. I think we both agreed it didn't look bad. Like, they were 0 for 6, but bad nights happen. But as far as the actual power play itself that night, I thought it looked pretty good. And as I rec- so so here's the power play that they trotted out last night. 
And it is a unit in which everyone stayed on the ice, essentially, for the entire two minutes in both cases, okay? The power play, the first one that they trotted out last night, was Parisi takes the faceoffs, Kaprizov on the right, Spurgeon on the left wing, basically, and he plays the down low. Mm-hmm. Suter is the main point guy up high. Barf. And Fiala, at least when they drop the puck, is the right defenseman. All right? So... Here's what I don't get, because opening night, the suitor dynamic of him being the high guy on the power play was actually Dumba, who's got a howitzer for a shot, and who I do think should be on that power play. And keep in mind, as I said, Dex, for at least the first two of these power plays, the first group would not leave the ice. So I don't think Dumba, if he did get, get on for the power play, the first two, I don't think he had any real impact as far as how much time he spent on the ice, okay? Let's just start with Ryan Suter. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? What on earth is causing you... I applauded this, I think, the first two or three games. Suter's minutes were down. They should be. Doesn't make him a bad player. He's a good player. But with where he is at career-wise and age-wise, and where he is at in the pecking order of this team, okay, his minutes coming down to me was a welcome sight. Last night, it felt like the same old down to to the point where he is now, for the past few games, been back with Spurgeon. Because it started started, uh, Brodeen, Suter, Dumba, Spurgeon. But now it's his partner again is Jared. And he's on the power play. And Dumba's not. And I have one question. Why? Yeah, I'm not sure. But I mean, don't don't you agree that first game, zero for six, they looked good, right? Like I liked the look of the, I liked the ideas. Yeah, I think with him, he's probably too. He's 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 probably going to be able to manipulate a little bit. He's going to be able to manipulate Dean with minutes and whatnot. So I'm not too surprised that he was able to finagle and, and probably saw those ice time in the first few games and was like, hey, uh, I need to play more. And now, no, and this is don't. classic suitor. This is just classic. No, you don't. <laughs> Um, I don't like him as the point of the power play. I understand him playing a power play, but I like I like yeah, he was on two. the second unit he to start the, the year, second unit, which he by the way the got to play unit. back then. Yes, he should be on the second unit. He totally should. So I think uh, it's just classic Ryan Suter. He 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 does this, and but it's I not think good Garen, coaching. It's not good coaching. I think Garen did a great job at telling Suter, or at least implementing a plan, and being like, "Dude, you're not the player you used to be. We got you can still be." Playing a crap ton of minutes and in all five, all four phases, five on five, power play, penalty kill, whatever. But at the same time, we got to reduce some of those minutes. You can't be out there for twenty eight minutes a night anymore. We can't. So that that one is a little concerning because I don't want the old guard to kind of retake over that locker room. That's not what I want to have happen. And the power play. So it, it was Spurgeon, Parisi, Kaprizov, Suter, Fiala. Okay. Yep. If you're going to extend the if you're going to extend the time on ice during the power play for Spurgeon, you know what? I don't care. That's fine, right? Kaprizov again, awesome. Fiala again, sniper, awesome. But Dumba needs to replace at some at some point in time. Everyone else gets to play. That's fine. But at some point in time, if you're Dino, you've got to say twenty. Come off the ice. Twenty four is on now. He's replacing you. Totally. And the second one is, and Zach is good on the power play, and I actually think Zach has played pretty damn well of, of late, 
but I'm giving Erickson Eck a shot as well. Yeah. Like those two have to that I'm not going to believe that there has been a changing of the guard as truly needs to happen until I see a situation where they say 46, 97, 22, you stay on. <laughs> 11 and 20, you got to come off. There are players to replace you. And I and Zach should start the power play. He yep. should, Dex. Yep. Suter should not. Yes, Dumb, no Dumb, Dumba should run, and if something goes wrong, it goes wrong. I don't care. But with that shot that Matthew has, he's got to have. He's, he's got to be out there. He's got to be out there, top one, and let him quarterback it. Yep. And worst case, it doesn't work. But guess what? It gives you, a, I think, a far better shot to score goals. Because the problem is, in being two for thirty on the power play, it's gone from they're just off to a rough start, but it looks okay. To now, guys are trying to pass too much. And I would sit down with Kaprizov and tell him, "Dude, be selfish." Yeah, like I don't like I don't care if eleven is tapping his stick. Right. I don't care if twenty is tapping his stick. Hey, give me the puck. Let me quarterback it. You know what? You do what you see fit to do. That's a perfect transition because when I'm looking at the Wild here, and we've been looking at analytics and stuff and chances and high danger chances, the Wild. I brought this up after two games, and it's still holding true through seven eight. The Wild are creating the most high-danger chances in the league so far, percentage-wise. 71%. The next closest team is Florida with 66%. Okay. So, like, they are creating chances. They're not allowing high-danger chances. This is a good thing for the Wild. The issue is the conversion rate here, okay? So, the Wild, though, are only converting on those chances. As I pull up the math here, 7.4. That's 25th best. Mm-hmm. So, they're creating the most, but they're unsuccessful in actually getting the goal. So, two two thoughts here. Number one, is it just unluckiness that the fact that you're creating so many chances and you're just not finding the twine? Two, your shooting percentage is also well below league average, about a whole 2% below league average. Also, I'd suggest, yeah, probably a little, little unlucky. But when you watch them and you see guys like Kaprizov and Fiala being able to do that and create high-danger chances, who else can? Who else can bury the puck? Who else can actually capitalize on the high-danger chance? Maybe Zach, he likes garbage goals. You know, like Eck a little bit Eck a, this year, a little bit Eck a little bit. So I don't think, yeah, that the high danger chances is an anomaly because now it's through seven, six games, and it's still remaining up, up the tops of the league. I mean, you're talking about te- the other teams that are by the wild in this: Tampa Bay, Vegas, the Islanders, Edmonton, Boston. Talking about good high octane offensive teams. There's some yeah, flaws McDavid, there. Yeah. You know, there's some flaws there. Dry side all McDavid. You know? Yeah, you're right. Buffalo even too. Buffalo's in the same boat. High octane offense, bad defensive team. But there's something to be said that you're doing the right thing, creating these high danger chances, but you need something to convert them. And you know what that is? It's getting another center to peg down all the pecking order and make things a hell of a lot easier. Yep. It's just like finding an ace. In your starting rotation, right? This is exactly what that is. If if you have five number threes, Mm -hmm. you can only hit a certain ceiling. If you plug in a one, and then that three becomes a two, three becomes a four, four becomes a five, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it makes your depth a lot better. This is, right now, the center depth and the way that the Wild is going about its business is the Scott Diamond Twins. Yeah. Like, it's exactly that. Mm-hmm. It, it's a thousand percent that. And then <laughs> they go Green, get, Scott Diamond. and then they go get Vance Worley to play center. Oh, Hell, the Vance, oh, the Vanimal's going to play center. You guys don't understand. We're putting him on the top. This is why you need to solve the dilemma and the issue. And I guess the real question is where does Bill Guerin think this team is at in terms of that? 
Like right now, to me, they are actively going to cost themselves a playoff opportunity. Yeah. Um, because you can't continue down this path. And I do think that changing Kaprizov or Fiala to the Eck line helps, but it doesn't completely solve it because one of those two is still going to be playing with the guy who shouldn't be their center. So yeah, this is you're you're exactly right. This is very much what the 2000 circuit 2013 twins. Yeah. Like you're just running guys out there and being like, "Well, this will work. Well, it'll work for now." And the reality is, you know, the fact that they don't right now utilize a true top 2 center is a really big deal. It is. It's like like because I'm not asking him, I'm not telling him to go get a star player right this second. It would be nice. But I'm not telling him, oh, man, you know, if you don't have Gretzky in the middle, you're, no, like we're asking for a, a to use your term, a competent center. Yeah. Which I think Eck would be, but still, you've got these two potential sniper star players, and you are, in my opinion right now, setting both up to fail because they can't make the plays themselves but you're right about about burying the puck because if you thought about it Felino and Greenway should but they really don't yeah they really don't and Felino's had because he, he plays hard he's had chances and he just doesn't um Parisi is pretty good still at that he's not I don't think he's elite now um but yeah Johansson Benino Greenway, Foligno, Bukestead, you know, uh, Hartman, right. no. You're right. You're exactly right. And, I, again, we don't. I don't have to get Dubois or Line. Like, I, I'm looking at someone who is just simple to get, like Nick Schmaltz. Nick Schmaltz in Arizona. He's yeah. a good center. Top six guy. He used if, to play really well with Kane in Chicago. If you could plug in Eck and Schmaltz as just your top two right, and put them – on different lines with Fiala and Kaprizov, I think you'd feel at least that you weren't shortchanging those two players. And right now, if you are the Wild, you are shortchanging those two. Hey, uh, t- tell me this, Dex. Okay. Can you spell out Oh God! how bad Johansson has been? Is there, an, is there a statistic? Is there something? Because just eye test-wise... It's bad. You called it. I didn't expect it to be this bad, especially when when training camp started and he was put on the wing. I didn't expect it to be like this. Mm -hmm. Um, But eye test-wise, it feels awful. And I don't know if he was directly to blame for the second Kings goal last night, but I don't think I've ever seen a guy not move his feet and reach as much as this guy does. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of strikes me as lazy, strikes me as I can get by. And, um, yeah, it's disturbing to see. It's not good. Um, and when he was successful in Washington, I mean, yeah, he was playing with great players in Washington, man. And and he's able to get away with that cheating and the laziness because he's playing in Washington. Um, right now, his his goals for, like when he's expected goals for, is, is awful. It's the worst in his career. Um, and expected goals for being, that's, that's when the definition for expected goals for is when given given where the shot comes from for and against while this player was on the ice at even strength situation. And right now it's a 0.7. In his career, it has been fairly a, a lot higher. A lot, lot higher. Around 32 to 40. It, it, he's he's not good. So he is 
number one, he's not even driving offense. It'd be one thing if he was a liability defensively and he was still creating offense. He's not even doing that. So he's already a liability defensively, and if he's not scoring goals, and as you see, he's he's a more than a liability out there. Like that's what I'm saying. He's entered Victor Rask not playable territory. <laughs> and at least Victor's a center. A center, but he's at right. least a center. Which which is why I thought that there there would come a point in time where they would give Johansson a chance there. Yeah. Just to see if that changed his fortunes. I wouldn't expect it to. But they've clearly seen enough from him that they don't trust him. I think they don't trust I don't I think they're concerned that if they give him the opportunity to play center, let's say second line, yeah. that he wouldn't pick up the defensive responsibilities. No. And so they're just like, screw it, he'll play wing. But uh yeah, I didn't I didn't expect him to be great. I didn't expect this though. Like I am I am surprised by what okay. we have seen, which is real I can't think of one time where I've thought that was a really nice play. So from, really good work. From twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen when he was in Washington, he was averaging, you know, twenty two goals a game. And the most time he spent with was Kunetsov and Justin Williams. Some really good players right there to play being playing along lines some, right? I mean, those are some really good players. Justin was a savvy veteran. Yeah. yeah. So Yes, of course he's, he's able to like, score goals. Oh, also, yeah. shooting percentage, super unachievable. I mean, it's over 15%, 16%, and he's not putting a lot of shots on in general. So I think he was a product of a, being a really good system in Washington, and if I'm Bill Guerin, I'm dumping this dude off. And I, if that means I swap bad contracts or bad players for situations, I'm for it. Like, I, I am for taking someone of else of Marcus Johansson's caliber who's in a bad situation and just taking him on for a player swap hockey trade because I— I, I can't do—you can't play this guy anymore because Zuccarello's going to come back. The top six forward right now. And he's playing him in top six because he's trying to shop him. I, I th- That is my theory because there's no other situation for this guy to be playing top— he should have been benched. If you're going to bench other players, this guy should be benched. Johansson's playing the power play. He's playing the penalty kill. Kaprizov plays one shift of the six and a half minutes, and Ryan Johansson's out there for the first three, four? Yeah. Absolutely not. you got to ship this dude off. Find Bill Guerin. He's like my number one— Thing I you can't you can't trim Rask because of his con- remaining contract. Right. At least Johansson's a UFA and might be able to same situation. Get another team. Maybe it's different for you. I don't care. Best of luck. Go have fun. But at this point, I would do everything in my power to ship this guy off. Yeah, and I can't decide. The, the one thing that is not clear yet, and and probably won't become clear for weeks, I can't decide what the Wild, what their intentions are. Like I can't decide if if. They are ultimately like, well, we're not there yet, and so Johansson at the deadline gets dealt. Benino, same thing, right? Like to take those guys who are going to be unrestricted and deal them for draft picks, all right? I can't decide if they're going to go down that path or they want to. I I shouldn't say. I can't decide if they are content to do that, I should say. Like, it's a very weird dynamic here. And if they continue to allow the center thing to just linger, then I, the only assumption I can come to is that they really weren't invested in 2021. Which seems a little bit odd because in this division, as we've discussed previously, Dex, the opportunity to make the playoffs is right there for you. Mm-hmm. Like this is not, this is, you know, three te- three teams, Vegas, the Abs, the Blues, and then just a race. So you've got the chance. But if you continue to do what Dean is doing, to me, you're not taking that opportunity seriously. I agree. Like, then you're like, we're just going to shop, guys. Um, because you look at the last two games, too, and the other disturbing thing is 
I hate to say, say this, but they've been very reminiscent of old wild games. Yeah, a little bit. Or actually the last three. You come home, you play the Sharks, you get off to a terrible start. Well, there's Horrible. no crowd. We can't feed off the crowd. There's care. always an excuse. There's a, This team always, oh, no crowd. We can't feed off the crowd. I mean, the last two nights, the crowd would have booed your ass. Totally. Um, Wish they would do that. And then the Sharks game, you know, that goal that Burns scored that won the game, you had five guys standing, and Burns was like, they, they were like protecting him, and he scores a nice goal. And then last night, Johansson. You get off to, and you got off to a terrible start again last night. Yeah. Like this was very, as, as much as I said, one game in, I want to like this team because it, it definitely is roster wise a different team in some ways. The last three games have, I've just looked at them and I'm like, this is the same old you. And I don't know, I don't know if that means that more guys have to go or what, but there was just a lot of things, you know, these bad starts. And they always talk about, well, we got to, well, and Declan, it's always the same. Well, you know, they got off to a bad start. We got to change that. Okay, that's great to talk about it. What are you going to do to change it? Like, are you going to change it? Oh, no, no crowd, no winner. I don't want to hear your excuses. I'm tired of your excuses. I've heard how, how many years have we heard of the excuses? You know, too big a crowd, not a big enough crowd. Fans were mad. Fans weren't mad, you know. I'm just so sick of all of the old standbys. And then last night, the power play, Suter's back on it, and now Suter's with Spurgeon again. And my God, when does the cycle end? I know, man. Like, the minutes were down. That was great. What, when does the cycle end? He's a good player. I understand that. But I'm just so... And it's like, Dean, you, did you watch what got Bruce fired? Yeah. And you want to... And your team is... I'll say this. Your team inherently now, construction-wise, your forwards is faster than it was previously. Like, I think if Johansson raced stall just in a straight race, I think Johansson beats yeah, him. Sure. So, like, you're inherently faster. But then you put Rask with Kaprizov and Fiala in the third period? I mean, that's the same crap that got Bruce fired, right? Right. Like, right before Bruce got fired, what did he do? We're going to move Rask to the first line. Well, I, I personally think that was a gear and move. Well, I do too, but he got fired right after yeah, it. he did. So, But the point being is, what didn't you, you were an assistant coach on those teams. Yep. What are you looking at that you're not seeing clearly? Like, this isn't hard. Again, this isn't hard. Uh, goaltending. Okay. I think it's actually been very solid. Yeah. Uh, t- Talbot got hurt in the home opener. It was lower body, correct? Yes. And I, I think the Star Tribune had a report yesterday that he should be back at practice soon. Um, Capo has played the past few games. I think Capo has played. There have been, a, there's been like one shaky goal or two maybe, mm-hmm. but I think he's played well. Goaltending is not the problem. I would say that the upgrade is definite. And I don't like the fact that Talbot's hurt, but I do like the fact that Capo is getting to play. And I think he's starting to show us enough to be comfortable. Like, there was a whole question about, well, can he be the number one guard? Can he be this or that? So far, what I've seen across the board, I, I like what I've seen. And I do I do think the transition there is going well. What did I tell you, Judd? What's about that? goaltending. That there's zero chance it's, it's worse bad. Yep, you did than tell me that. last season. I think you told zero me that last season. I think you actually told me that last season. And so far, through seven games... The Minnesota Wild, as a team, are stopping have a save percentage of nine twenty six. Okay, nine twenty six is about twenty points higher, twenty five six points higher than it was last year. I think it was just above ninety last year. It was god awful. 
And this is what save percentage does. It fluctuates from your, it's so random. And that has to deal with situations, it has to deal with trades, it has to deal with new new players coming in. But Talbot and Capo have been probably the least of the Wilds problems so far. That that isn't that isn't named Joel Erickson Eck. And this is good. I'm glad the Wilds goaltending has been stabilized. You you didn't need Cam Talbot to be a Vesna guy. You just needed him to be the Cam Talbot he was at the end of Calgary last year. And and if he becomes the guy that he was in Edmonton when he was really good three or four years ago, that's best case scenario. And I don't think that guy comes back. And also, he was being run out there like 70 starts. I don't want that to happen either. But this is what happens with goaltending. It was yep. never going to be as bad as it was. It was automatically going to improve. Look, the, the New Jersey Devils right now, I, I forget who the, who's in goal right now in New Jersey, but they, they are. Blackwood. Blackwood has been insanely good. That's not going to Corey Crawford over. retired and they yeah. got better. Blackwood has a 948 save percentage through three games. They're actually him and Wedgwood have split time. They both have made three starts so far each. Yeah. Um, but. I, I, I'm not right a lot with Johansson. I'm right, and with this goaltending, I'm right, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna put it on my tombstone for God's now, sake. Now, the goaltending to me is a credit, though. Uh, I I don't think it's that the Wild is playing incredibly better in front of their tenders. I think their goalies last year were for the most part just awful. Yeah, like I I don't think that Dean has changed things, and it, it's like well, the system now supports the goalies. Uh, I'm not sure how you feel about this, but to me. You know, it was going into how many games last year, if Dubnik started, where you knew there was going to be one or two just goofy goals, right? And I like Staylock, but I feel like Talbot and Cop and Capo have played well. Like I feel like I don't, I don't feel like it's the defense now or, or the forwards coming back being super responsible, so much as legitimately to your point, the goaltending was just that bad last right. season. It was awful. Okay, so again, just the hammer. This point home. The, the bottom five teams in save percentage last season were the Red Wings, Sharks, Wild, Capitals, Kings. Let's look at the Red Wings. Red Wings were 31st last year. Now the Detroit Red Wings, as I try to find them on this list, are 15th. They have okay. made a significant jump. The San Jose Sharks, they have not improved much, but they have improved a little bit. They got dupes. From 30th to 29th. Dupes. The Wild jumped from 29th to 13th. Yep. The Capitals go from 28th to 10th. Hope be gone to Vancouver. And the Los Angeles Kings have gone from 27th to 20th. So I just listed all those five teams. The five worst teams in goaltending last year have all had, had, had increased their numbers. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. And and again, the top five teams last year. The Bruins, the Stars, the Yotes, the Avs, the Blue Jackets were top five in save percentage. So far, the Boston Bruins are now 21st. The Dallas Stars are still third. The Arizona Coyotes are 14th. The Colorado Avalanche are down to 27th. The Columbus Blue Jackets, who finished 5th last season, are now 11th. So all the five teams that were really good last year have regressed. All the five teams that were the worst have improved. Goaltending, man. It's a complete crapshoot. It's a complete crapshoot. It's random. This is what happens. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think the Dubes was... Random last year. I oh, just think he was, was just random. awful. The Sharks one is the one I think that he makes was sense. Just, I think he was just terrible last season. Yeah, the Sharks season. is the one that makes I sense. I mean, and he had off-ice stuff, too, uh, but he was just terrible. And and Talbot and and Capo are, are good and reliable, and I think the Capo thing is very important. Like, I think this is incredibly important because this would, this would, if you're putting the pieces of the puzzle together to build a good team, and the Wild's not there yet, but if you're trying to assemble the pieces, 
the goaltending end and Capo especially to me are extremely important. Because you got because eventually at the end of the day, if and when you do get good, you're going to need to have a guy there who you think, okay, this guy can play. Absolutely. But meanwhile, find a damn center or two. Please. Please. Find a center. I, I mean it's Bill Bill Guerin. Dean Evison, make the move. Fourteen. Reckless speculation. Come on. Come on, it's not that hard. In the Minnesota sports media scene, fans are represented by two different yet equally important groups. The homers who play with positivity and don't like to have fun, and the realists who prosecute the offenders and recklessly speculate. These are their ideas. We won't be getting to a reckless speculation episode, but I just want to play that as a disclaimer. If we get uh, fun police people who claim, why the hell are you trying to ask for trades already this early in the season? Because it's fun! Well, they need and to. And they need to. Oh, they're on the phone. They're both. Billy's on the phone. They're on the phone. They're on the phone right now. Billy's on the phone. So, yes. Nick Schmaltz, huh? Just want, yeah, Nick Schmaltz. I just, just think about it. Now, you don't mean... about it. Now, has Schmaltz's name been floated? No. Okay. The only reason I... Because that would cost you. The only... See, I think it costs you, but I don't think it costs you a Dubois or Line. Oh, no, it wouldn't be. It would, I, no, 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 no. Um, I, I think you're right about that. I'm just saying it would cost you. It would cost you something. The only reason I'm more interested in is because, again, it's the, it's the in-division trade. I'm looking for a, can I find a partner I can trade within the division to make this acquisition easier for quarantining and for all the, well, all the hiccups that have to if go you're, with If it. they have to fly, I think they have to be quarantined for seven days in the States. So Because the coal trade was good because the Avs were playing the Kings. That's what I'm trying to do. And and the Wild were playing the Ducks. Um, so if you make a trade now, it's probably going to have to be a, a quarantine of a week. Yeah. But who the hell cares at this point? Who I mean, I don't care who you deal with. Deal with the Florida Panthers for all I care. Yeah, I, w- I would do it. You got, you're going to. I just don't want to see you start to waste careers of guys who deserve better. I agree with I you. I mean, this is, they deserve better. Better and you could say, well, it's been just a few weeks. I don't care. I don't care. All right, uh, we're done for with this full episode of Judd's Hockey Show. I'm sure we'll be back uh, throughout the rest of this week with one timers and all that good stuff. We will have another full episode for you next Wednesday. Declan, pass, shoot, score.